not going to be sad anymore. We're going to be happy now. Um, so if I, uh, if someone who's in charge of like the time could tell me when there's 15 minutes left, that would be good. I know there's a clock, but I, there we go. Okay. So um, because before the last thing I want to say is going to be really, it's going to be super important. It's going to change your lives. Um, but honestly, I, I'm super excited. This is one of the things. Some of these handouts. Um, these come from my job up in Duluth. One of my jobs is I'm the director of youth ministers and youth ministry for our diocese. And so they have, having the opportunity to work with y'all this morning is, is, is very super welcome for me. I just, I really appreciate it in your, in your time, as I said earlier. But also, I want to kind of just try to pass on as best I can some of the things that I try to pass on to the youth ministers that I work with on a regular basis. So that's why if you open up like to the third page, it says Diocese Duluth Youth Ministry Meeting. March 4th, 2015, you're like, wait a second, he's reusing things. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But I do think this is really, it can hopefully be helpful. So everything in these packets are, is either borrowed or borrowed without permission. <clears throat> so, so, so just so you know, like, wait a second, where do you get that from? I got it from someone else. Uh, the first thing I'm going to get from someone else is from 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, so I'm going to read this, this, this uh, quote from, from 1 Timothy where Paul goes through a list of qualifications for doing ministry, qualifications for ministers. And uh, I'm just going to read through. It's a little bit longer. It's a number, number of verses. He says this. He says, um, this saying is trustworthy, and, and whoever, whoever aspires to the office of bishop desires a noble task. He should have put it in the parentheses and must be insane. Um, <laughs> Speaking of, is this cutting out in and out? Is that a thing? Is that an, in an, is, is that annoying? Should I move, use the other microphone? Is that right? I'm gonna do it. If it cuts out one more time, we're done with it. It's dead to me. Okay. Therefore, a bishop must be irreproachable. Married only once, temperate, self-controlled, decent, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not aggressive, but gentle, not contentious, not a lover of money. He must manage his, he, that's it. He <laughs> said, no mercy. You had your, you had, well, mercy for you guys. No mercy for the microphone. You had your warning. Gracias. Um, okay. Uh, when you hear this thing about the bishop, let's put this in your own context, right? Because you're the, you can, Call yourselves the bishops of your youth ministry programs. Um, so that's what I really, I really do mean. That put yourself in this, in this, the description for this that Paul says for a bishop should. There's nothing, no, no, no less expectation is for you guys, for us. So let's go back. Irreproachable, married only once, temperate, self-controlled, decent, hospitable, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not aggressive, but gentle. Not contentious, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, keeping his children under control with perfect dignity. For if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how can he take care of the church of God? He should not be a recent convert so that he may not become conceited and thus incur the devil's punishment. He also must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, the devil's trap. Similarly, deacons, again, just kind of extension of ministers, must be dignified, not deceitful, not addicted to drink, not greedy for sordid gain, holding fast to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. Moreover, they should be tested first, that if there's nothing against them, then let them serve 
as deacons. You know, I wanted to run through that because we're going to be talking a little bit, well, a bit, a bit this morning about just what it is to, to lead. What is it to be able to have that, the role that you have and to do it really, really well, to be able to lead in a way that, that gives, um, gives clear direction and actually gives clear meaning to the lives of your volunteers, the lives of your youth, the lives of your whole whatever youth program, even the lives of the parents. But one of the things that here St. Paul is saying, your qualifications for lead, doesn't, none of these say you have to have a degree or certification in youth ministry, or you have to have a certification or degree in bishopring. You don't have to have a degree or certification in a theology. It's about what is your character like? What is the shape of your life? And I think that, that before anything else, the qualifications for ministry involve those questions. What is your, what kind of a person are you? What kind of character have I, have I, have I decided to go and pursue? Now, that doesn't mean I have to be perfect. In fact, I imagine that this could be a good examination of conscience for all of us. And I imagine if it was, then we probably all have something to confess. So it's not about perfection, but it is about having a target. And I want to talk about that right away because that's, that's going to make all the difference. It's not about perfection, but it is about having some kind of target. I think most of us, we not only go through our own lives without a target, then when we go to youth ministry or any kind of ministry, we don't really have a target. We're just going to, I don't know, I think I'm supposed to do something on Wednesday nights. And so what did the per first person do? What's the latest thing that's come out that other people are doing? I'm just going to kind of do that. And it's fine, but it's not as it should be. Just like you could say, um, in my life, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I think I'm, try, I think I'm trying to follow God. I think I'm trying to like be the best version of myself or whatever. But I don't really have a target. I don't really have a vision for this. So the first thing I'm going to invite all of us to do is before we look at these sheets, is to be able to ask yourself the question. And the question is this, does your life have a target? Or another way to say it is, do you have a vision for your life? And one way we can, we can do this, we can go back and we can say, okay, um, I'll go ahead and go forward in time and ask the question, after I'm dead, what will I want my life to have looked like? After I'm dead, what will I want my, my key relationships to look like? Like what kind of relationship, if you're married, what kind of relationship at the end of my life do I want to have had with my spouse? Like what if, if, you, if you die before your spouse, what do you want, what would you love your spouse to be able to say about you? What would, what's the kind of thing that you'd love your spouse to be able to say about you? Because of them, I know I'm loved. Because of them, I have confidence. Because of them, um, I don't have that question of my worth. What, what do you want your, your spouse to say about you after you're dead? Because of my husband, because of my wife, I know this about me. What do you want your kids to say about you? Well, he was, he was super dedicated to ministry. He cared about a lot of other people's kids. Or is it, no, she was, she, she brought people into our home, but we always knew, we always knew that, that we were first in mom's heart. We always knew that. That it wasn't other people's kids who knew your heart more than your own kids did. What do you want your kids to be able to say about you after your death? What do you want your volunteers to say about you after your death? Actually, the better question is, what do you want your volunteers to say about you when you're alive? Because after you're, after you're dead, it's like, oh, they were the best, they were the best, and they didn't like you at all. But you're like, oh, no, it's great, because they're dead now, so we're going to have to deal with her. Um, but, but kind of that question, again, is what do you want those people that you're working with on a regular basis, that you're serving on a regular basis, what do you want them to be able to say about you? What do you want your life? Do you have a vision for your life? 
when I'm dead, I want to look, I want my life to have looked like this. And I don't just mean um, the you know the success or achievement. I mean, what kind of person do you want to have become? And I really invite you to do this, to write down, this is the kind of person that I want to have become. I mean, because the reality, do you want to have been a prayer? I think a lot of us would say, yeah, of course I, 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 of course I want to have prayed. But then you ask the question, okay, so this morning, how'd that go? Well, I had to get up early because we had to go to the net center and the thing. Okay, fine. Well, we prayed a little bit with Steve and his playing his guitar and he was singing. I said, check. We're going to go to Mass later on. That's wonderful. But, but if, when you're dead, you want to have been a prayer, someone who had developed the most intimate relationship in your life is you with you and the Lord, that only happens through dedicated time set aside for prayer, not just prayers throughout the day. I pray as I work and I work as I pray. That's good. Congratulations, non-saint. And do, do you take time aside and carve it out and say, this is my time just for Jesus, my time just for the Lord. And then pray throughout the rest of the day. Great, that's wonderful, that's awesome. But I'm just, I can guarantee you this, you will never be a saint. You will never, ever, 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 ever be a saint unless you have dedicated time every single day as best you can with just you and the Lord. So the question is, do you want to be a saint or do you not want to be a saint? Because if you do, then you need to pray. And if you don't really, then prayer is optional. I remember, uh, maybe I shared this last time, uh, not last time I was here. Uh, I don't want to repeat myself very much, but I, I don't want to repeat myself very much, but, um, <laughs> right? So um, it was Father Larry Richards, and he came into a, a group of youth ministers, and he was at a student bill conference, and he, he was supposed to have an hour, but he didn't have an hour, he only had like five minutes, because other things ran over time. He, that happens sometimes with youth events. And so he, he came in and said, okay, I don't have a lot to say. And Father Larry, this is, again, this is not Father Mike, this is Father Larry said this. I don't say these kind of things. He said this. I don't say this. He says this. And he said, um, he said, if you're in ministry and you're not spending an hour a day in prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament, then get the hell out of youth ministry. Now, I didn't say that. Father Larry said that. <laughs> I don't say those kinds of things. In fact, I would actually say, let's, you might not be doing it now. And you might, the idea of 60 minutes will be like, what? I can't, that, that's like three, that's three episodes on Netflix. I couldn't possibly do that. I would say, I agree. Um, start somewhere. Start with one episode on Netflix. I mean, to be able to say, honestly, start with 21 minutes. It, because that's, that's how oftentimes, at least... Some of our younger people break down their, their, their life into segments of like, well, how many episodes is that? Well, you know, what's a 43-minute episode? Is it a 21-minute episode? Um, so break it down and say, okay, I can begin. I don't have to begin at the end. I can begin at the beginning, which is a very, very good place to start. And be able to say, okay, 21 minutes, 21 minutes every single day. That's my first fruits to the Lord. Because if I don't do that, then what kind of vision do I, am I really pursuing for my life? So stop. What do I want to be true about me when I'm dead? You can even make it more and more immediate. What do I want to be true? What do I want to be true about my life in five years from now? What do I want to be true about my life in the year 2020? What do I want to be true about me in five years? Do you have a do you have a clear vision for this? And be able to write down again when it comes in these following areas and with your spiritual life. Where do you want to be in five years in your spiritual life? What do you want to be true about your life? your spiritual life in five years? What do you want to be true about your health in five years? That's a reality. That's something we all have to deal with. I don't know if you know this, but we're not angels. We have bodies. And those bodies need to rest. Those bodies need to eat. Those bodies need to move. So what do you want to be true about 
your health in five years. We're not in total control of this, obviously, as we all know, but, but if I don't have a plan or a vision for this, then I'll hit my target every single time. But there's the idea, if I have a vision, if I have a target, okay, what do I want to be true about my life, my health, myself, in five years? Number, number three, um, your key relationships. If that's your spouse, if that's your parents, if that's your children, those people who are in your life, they've been in your life for a long time, and the idea is that you're, they're a permanent part of your life, not transitional friendships, but like, like the, you know, they're, they're the ones you're really committed to, or they're committed to you. What do you want to be true about, about those relationships? And again, for the... For me, my parents are still alive, and what I find myself often doing is, so I kind of have a semi-day off on Mondays. Um, my parents live two hours away, and I never, ever, ever go see them because I have too much work to do. So on my day off, I just work on my day off because that's what I need to do. I need, and it's ministries for Jesus, for crying out loud. You know, so I need to do this. And yet, even if one Monday a month, I can't drive two hours and spend time with my parents who still have their minds together and still are able to to go out for a walk with me or still able to spend time. Now, if I want to be true about my relationship with my parents in five years, that even if they die in the next five years, I'd say, no, but that was a good, a good last three years we had. But if I don't change anything, then nothing will change. That's for free. If you don't change anything, then nothing will change. Um, <laughs> so key relationships. Next is friendships. What are the key, what key friendships in your life? Not just family, but friends. The next is going to be relationships in your parish, not just your youth, not just your youth, but your relationship with your pastor, which is often an afterthought, and when it is a thought, it's often a sour thought. Well, my relationship with my pastor, in five years, I hope he's moved. In five years, I hope he's been transferred somewhere else. But no, in five years, and you know that some of you who have lived through transitions of pastors, you know that if you didn't work at that relationship or it was maybe it was unfortunate like he, he was not interested at all in having a healthy relationship with anybody um, not least with you it could be one of those things where you just know that's just a painful thing but you also can know that you know what after he left you know what he could have done I could I could have made an effort and you realize look back when you see him at other functions like our shasts and functions you're like hey father and you just have that knowledge of like you know what this could have been a happy reunion but what it was is just kind of annoying or painful because I didn't cultivate that relationship in any way. So not just with your youth, but also with your, your pastor, with your youth's parents, because they don't graduate and leave. Your parents, youth's parents stay in the parish, God willing. So what do you want to be true about those relationships? And the reason I just am willing to ask you all these questions, like when it comes to having a vision for your life, St. Paul talks about this. Okay, so again, temperate, self-controlled, decent, hospitable, able to teach, not aggressive, but, but patient and gentle. Like these kinds of things. Do you want to be that kind of person? Okay, now, if you have a vision, I mean, you don't have to have it right now because this is the kind of thing you take in front of the Lord and ask the questions. The next question is, okay, what has to change in my life so this will be possible? So, Because if I want a relationship with the Lord that's deeper than I have now, okay, what has to change in order for that to be possible? Well, I need to pray more. I know I need to pray more. Well, maybe, but it could be that you need to get to sleep on time. It's not, and it's not about like, I just have a, I, I'm just not a morning person. I can't get up for a morning prayer time before everyone else gets up and this and that. Like, okay. Um, I asked my, uh, my focus missionaries this a couple weeks ago. I was asking about sleep because I've been kind of obsessed with sleep lately because I don't get any. 
And I'm mad about that. But I said, okay, do you guys have a goal time to go to bed? And every one of the missionaries, except for one, had, yes, we have a goal time. The one who didn't have a goal, he's like, he's like I'm never going to hit it, so I don't, even, I don't even bother having a goal time to get to bed. But every other one had a, that, no, here's my goal time. So, okay, now, when do you actually go to sleep? And across the board, it was between an hour and two hours after their goal time was when they got to bed. Like, okay, that's, so you should all be ashamed of, no. The idea, the question you get to ask then is, okay, what do you do in that gap time? And the time between, here's the goal time to go to bed, and the time you actually go to bed, what's happening in that space? Because that's the, where the problem is. It's not like, yeah, I know, I really need to try harder. No, 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 no. What's going on? Because apparently something needs to happen for you in that space. And that could be, I mean, they were all like, well, I, I just go on YouTube and try to catch up with what's happening in the world, because that's a great source of information. <laughs> You know, I go through the big three. I go through Instagram, Twitter, and then Facebook or whatever. And um, that what, what happens, though, someone says, I clean. That's why it keeps me up. I just I kind of get everything in order. Okay, great. And that might be you. That gap time between your goal time and your actual time. To be able to say, what happens there? So that you can then deal with those things, not in the gap time, but before the goal time. So if you need to disconnect and unplug, if you need to have connection with your spouse, if you need to have some kind of, that's when you pray. If you need to have some, whatever that thing is, to be able to say, okay, I can change that. I can just move that to earlier. I remember talking to a, a missionary priest down in Belize. He just, he was a soul, he is a soul priest, a society of our lady, the most holy trinity, like this, like, they're like priest marines. I think it used to be like the Jesuits were like the hardcore ones. I'm serious. These soul missionary priests were just like so hardcore. And um, Father Mark is his name. And he was, he was awesome. We, I was on a mission trip. I was a missionary there for about a year after college. And then I used to lead mission trips with my college students when I was a priest down to this place. That's when he was stationed there. And we just kind of were talking and we had this great connection. And at one point he's like, hey, so isn't it just the hardest thing to go to sleep? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I am exhausted all day. But when it's finally time to go to bed, I just, I don't, I don't do it. I don't, I stay up. And he says, why do you think that is? I'm like, I don't know, Father. And he said, I think I know why it is. He says, I know, because I, th- I, I stay up because I, I think I know this deep down, that the moment I go to bed, tomorrow's already started. <laughs> I don't go to bed because the moment I go to sleep, now right now, if I stay up, this is my time. I'm free, no obligations right now. But the moment I go to sleep, the next thing that happens is me, I have to get up my time is not mine. My time belongs to someone else. I have to go to work. I think sometimes that can be one of the things that holds us back from just even getting to sleep on time. It's just that reality, that knowledge that, okay, I have to relinquish my freedom and just go to bed and do what I need to do. Again, again, all this is because of this. Because if that's what the vision is for your life, you realize, I need more rest. I need more exercise. I need more prayer. Then I just invite you to say, what is it that gets in the way of you doing those things you already know you need to do? So I mean, I need to pray, but I always keep falling up, sleeping past my alarm. Okay, then that's one of the things that gets in the way of what you know you need to do. I know I need to exercise, but, okay, but what? What happens in that time between your decision to exercise and not doing it? Like, what is it? I know I need to start eating more healthy, but what is it that gets in the way? Well, they give us donuts when they show up to the thing. Like, <laughs> what is that that gets in the way of you? When it comes to your relationships, 
with other people, with your youth, with your pastor, all these kind of things. You have a vision for it. Like, I really would like to have a great relationship with my family. I want to have a better relationship with my kids, with my parents, with my spouse, with whoever. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. <clears throat> what is it that keeps getting in the way of that? Well, I have a great plan, and then I just get caught up in ministry. I have a great idea, then I get caught up with work. Then I get a, have a great idea, and then someone else comes in. Okay, so now you can identify some of those areas of where the great plan got, got thwarted. Then he asked the question, okay, well now, knowing that, what needs to change in order for these things to be true, that vision to be true? Because I, may, I might have mentioned this last year, but I'll say it again. Um, ultimately, if you don't live by design, we just have a default light. We have default settings. And we default to whatever is most urgent. We default to whatever is most pressing. We default to whatever someone tells us to do. We default to the crisis. And so we just live in this kind of default mode. So if someone says, hey, why are you doing what you're doing in ministry? Why are you doing what you're doing in your own personal life? We're like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure why I'm doing that kind of thing. We just live by default. As opposed to having a vision for your life and saying, okay, what needs to be true for this vision to be real? That's by design. Because the Lord, he's saying, no, I trust in Jesus so that it's okay that I, I don't have a plan. I just, I'm like open to providence. I'm open to the Lord. He sets the course for my life. And so I don't even have to think, I would say, that's half right. The Lord has a course for your life. Yes, he has a plan for your life. But also, I think Jesus said something about the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So he wants you to think. He wants you to have a, you know, mixed decisions in, in life. He's, he's created us with that kind of a mind that can actually create things, can strategize, can plan. Open to his will, of course, but as it says at the top of your sheet, Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. 